0: Morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. I'm so glad that that of all the places you could be today and this this time that, that you are here. I'm encouraged by my my brothers and sisters and visitors who show up on a Sunday morning. So thank you all for being here. If you don't know me, my name is Matt Ortiz, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I would love it. It would be mean a lot to me if if you came up to me. Um, and introduce yourself. I'd, I'd love to get to, to know you. Um, we are in a series looking at various Psalms, and um, we are taking a few weeks to look at Psalm 23. I thank God for Psalm 23. It's become uh, more important to me the older I get. And um, the truth is, and you all know this, that we lived in a messed up, broken world, don't we? A messed up, broken world. Danger, destruction, death are global. We see it in the news, but we also see it in the mirror, don't we? How can we possibly have hope? When you think about it, when you take those uh, things seriously, when we face the reality around the globe and in our own hearts and lives and past, how in the world are we supposed to have any hope at all? How are we supposed to have any confidence at all? I mean, around the world, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, greed, pollution, disease, corruption in in business, corruption in government, racism, war, injustice, the oppression of the weak, homelessness, starvation, schoolyard massacres, the, the, the killing of countless preborn baby girls and boys, exploitation through prostitution and pornography, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse I'm just getting started and it can be overwhelming. Many of us have lived through the crushing weight of this stuff either it's happened to you or it's happened to people that you love or god's given you incredible compassion for 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 people in general or maybe you've participated in some of these things against other people and you're just crushed with the guilt of it and the shame of it and you're you're feeling hopeless you wonder if you'll ever be okay again. You wonder if life will ever be okay again. Here's the thing. In, in our culture, and, and I, I, I've, I realize it's not limited to um, non-religious or religious or any political party, but But I I, I see this illustrated everywhere. In one particular case, and it's not unique to whoever he hangs out with, but uh, it's cross-cultural, let me tell you that. But there's this one top-selling author, speaker, psychologist, and professor with millions upon millions of YouTube followers and his latest book selling over 3 million copies so far, which I've, I've read, and he gives us some advice when it comes to facing all of that brokenness in our past, possibly in our future, all of the brokenness in our own city, country, and around the world. And he says, just don't think about it. That's his advice, is to just not think about it. He's incredibly educated, incredibly articulate. He... He, he's, he is incredibly smart, but he says, don't think about it. Instead, he says, think of pleasant things like petting your cat. <laughs> I know. And I'm not making that up. I, on one hand, I'm baffled that this kind of advice sells, but I, I, then I realized that's exactly kind of what, what we try to do if we can. And that's not think about it until we can't not think about it. Because there are times when you personally will be beaten down by suffering. You will be in intense agony and pain and misery, and and you'll experience oppression. And thank God that he does not leave us with just don't think about it. So what hope do we have then? He gives us perspective and hope in his word like Psalm 23. We started our study in Psalm 23 last week, one of the best-known poems in the world, but also one of the most misunderstood. Most people think that Psalm 23 is for deathbeds and gravesides, and, and, and it's a, but instead, what it's really about, it's about living. It's about living with true confidence no matter what this broken world throws at you. Now, remember, remember from last week, the overarching logic of Psalm 23 is the Lord is, I shall. The Lord is, I shall. David's confidence is not based on his status. It's not based on his circumstances. It is not based on his family background or his talent or his looks or his money or his education. It is rooted in the very existence and character of God and the covenant relationship between God and him. And so he can say, the Lord is, therefore I shall. And the whole psalm is structured around that logic. The rest of the psalm fills in the blanks. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall triumph. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall live with him forever. Now, we're going to focus on this. This is our second message in Psalm 23, and we're going to focus on that second declaration of of true confidence uh, that David says here, and that is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. Starting back up in verse 3, he says, My shepherd restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I want us to see three things here that give you true confidence, real confidence in a broken, messed up life, in a broken, messed up world. Three things to remember as you face your messed up life and our messed up world and go through dark valleys because you will and you have. The first thing we need to remember is this, that evil cannot ultimately harm you. Evil can't ultimately harm you. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What is the valley of the shadow of death? David here is drawing on his shepherding experience. Ancient Palestine was kind of like San Diego without irrigation. In the summer, the streams dried up and, and the grass was gone. So shepherds would drive his flock to higher pastures in the mountains where there was green grass and fresh water. And the way was through a network of valleys up narrow winding trails and one section was through a valley that was especially dangerous. And apparently uh, many sheep lost their lives there and some shepherds, possibly too. It was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And there were three dangers. First, there was the danger of the wrong path. During rainy seasons, the trails would get washed out and the sheep would would run into a dead end and get trapped and and pile up and and panic and push each other off, off the cliff. It probably shouldn't it sound funny to me, but it does. It's a weird picture. But let's get serious when we start applying it to our lives. For example, the second one is the danger of enemies, like mountain lions, wolves, and bears. Third, a false step. They could, uh, it was rocky and narrow. They could fall to their death. The valley of the shadow of death points to the dark valleys of our life. And there's, there's nothing comical or funny about it. Have you been through a dark valley? Have you been through several dark valleys, maybe more than that? Do you have a dark valley right around the corner and you're dreading it? Or maybe you're right in the middle of one right now. The dangers are similar. You're gonna feel the danger of a wrong path and you fear a mistake of of, of mistakes of the past have have put you on the wrong path and, and you feel like you 're trapped in this life that you just weren't planning on. life is heading towards a disaster. My life is not going to mean anything because of the mess ups that I, that I made, or maybe there's the the danger of enemies like we fear that are circumstances that are that are out of out of control you, you know maybe maybe uh, there was a horrible accident or you got laid off and or or you know you're facing the loss of a loved one and, and whatever it is you're afraid that it's going to ruin your life or maybe it's the danger of a false step you know what if I make a, a, a bad career decision what if I make a bad marriage decision what if I make a bad financial decision and then there's the final valley death's dark valley and our fear is that maybe we maybe there's nothing beyond this life it's just darkness that we won't make it through on the other side of that to to higher pastures, that, that it all ends in this dark last valley and it's just darkness forever. But again, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He doesn't say, I will not experience evil. No pain, no sorrow, no loss. No, what he is saying is in the midst of evil, I will fear no evil. No matter what comes into my life, even death itself, I will fear no evil. Since the Lord is my shepherd, I am convinced that my life will not and cannot be defined by evil. My shepherd is good. My shepherd is powerful. Therefore, evil cannot ultimately harm me. That's what Remember what Joseph said to his brothers who sold him into slavery? What you meant for evil, God meant for good? That's what God does. He brings redemption. Only God can bring redemption out of something like that. It's not that God offsets evil with good, but God brings redemption out of it all so that it all works together to advance what is good. And it ends up making the good good even better. And that's hard for us to imagine. But if you've been a Christian for any amount of time at all, you are familiar with this idea because you know that the crucifixion of God, the son on the cross was the worst thing that's ever happened in in history. But at the same time, you know that the crucifixion Of God the Son was also the most beautiful and most wonderful and most life-giving thing that's ever happened in all of history. And if God can redeem something so horrible to be so wonderful, don't you think he can do that in your life? You may not understand it. The disciples and his followers, they didn't understand what was going on when he was hanging uh, on on the cross and he said into your hands, I you know, I, I submit my spirit, I give my spirit. They didn't know. They didn't understand. They couldn't see anything. And you might feel the same way. How can anything good come out of this? Well, thank God. He is a God of redemption. He can do things you can't even imagine right now. More on that later. But remember. Remember that evil cannot ultimately hurt you. Second, for you to remember your shepherd is beside you david says i will fear no evil why for you are with me there's a grammar change that happens right here so far david says he makes me to lie down he leads me he restores me and then he he leads me some more but now he says you instead of he he says you are with me david goes from a sheep talking to another sheep about his shepherd to a sheep talking to his shepherd. The shepherd goes from leading out front to walking right beside him. In verses one through three, you know you you're in an open pasture, you're safe and secure, but it is as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death that your shepherd walks right beside you. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you that there will be times when, when you pass through the, the dark valley and you will not sense God's presence. Some of you have been there. It was the darkest valley. And you're like, where's God? I don't see him anywhere. I need him more than ever. This is my darkest valley. But it's only the darkness that hides him. The truth is the darker the valley the closer the shepherd. And this is especially true when it's time for our final valley. Only the Lord himself can lead you through death. All other guides you might have in your life, they can't go with you. They turn back. But the Lord walks at your side so that you can say, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There have been men and women from the first service that I've had the privilege and the honor to visit on their deathbeds and to see that the peace that they have encouraged my faith. They knew their shepherd was with them. I mean, their greatest prayer was that, the most important prayer was that in this time they would stay close to the Lord. And it encouraged me. I mean, It's one thing to know that it's like theory and I hope I feel that way when my time comes or whatever. It's another thing to see people who believe it are living it out. It stirs your faith like nothing else. And because your shepherd is with you, there are three things that you can be sure of. In the first one, David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. The basic meaning, as we saw last week, of that word is right. Uh, This tells us that we can be sure that he has you on the right path, so to speak. And what that means and what this promise is that our good shepherd tells us is that there are no washouts. You are not trapped by mistakes of the past, your mistakes, or anybody else's. You are not on a dead-end path that leads to destruction. Your shepherd knows your path from beginning to end because he is sovereign. And he knows his sheep. He knows your needs. You may not like the path that you're on right now, but join the club. <laughs> All of us find ourselves at one point or another on a path that we hate, that we don't want to be on. But we're there, here we are. But here's what you can know you can be certain of this that our shepherd knows exactly what he's doing, even if you don't. And one day we will see his wisdom. Why, why he brought us this way, one day we'll understand. But for now, whether you understand it or not, know that he is with you and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. Second thing you could be sure of is that he will protect you from your enemies. David says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Even today in certain Middle Eastern countries, shepherds carry a rod and a staff. And a rod is a weapon, like a club. David used one to protect his sheep against a lion and a bear. And this weapon speaks of our shepherd's infinite power to protect us from ultimate evil. And the third thing you could be sure of is he protects you from yourself with his staff. A long stick often with a crook or hook, one end. The shepherd uses it to rescue sheep that have fallen into trouble and, and to guide the sheep on the narrow trail. When they begin to stray, he uses his staff to, to draw them back, his sheep, uh, to himself. And this speaks of the shepherd's compassion and his gentle care. And sometimes, sometimes, at least I don't know about you, but Plenty of times in my own life, sometimes our biggest fear in the valley is, is that we're gonna make a mistake, that we're gonna make a bad decision, that, that we're gonna do something stupid. Well, let me tell you something right now you will do something stupid. And so will I. We all do stupid stuff. God does not promise you that you won't. But the shepherd's staff reminds us that he will not let you fall. He will tenderly and firmly guide you and correct you, and he will rescue you. That, of course, does not mean do whatever you want or that there are any consequences to sin. That would be totally opposite of what I'm talking about here. But it does mean that you cannot ultimately blow it. Your shepherd is with you. He has you on the right path. He will protect you from evil on the outside and the inside. Thank God. And then last, not only is our shepherd with you, he will bring you through. In other words, a new morning is coming. Yeah, you know, I planned on mentioning nightmares, and my kids didn't know that. And they were telling me about on on the way here between services. I race home. I bring them back. They were telling me about some bad dreams they had, and they're really gross, like 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 painful. You should maybe ask them about it. Kind of gnarly, uh, but I have two um, types of bad dreams or nightmares, and um, one of them is pretty violent. I, I different place, different situation, different people. Um, somebody has a, a gun and they shoot me. And uh, in fact, two weeks ago. Somebody was on the other side of the door, I saw a gun in their hand, and I'd go to push the door, maybe knock them over or something like that, and I punched my nightstand, like hard. Like, for real, punched my nightstand. And I woke up, and I was so relieved that it was a dream. The other kind of dream, and this happens all the time, I have to preach somewhere or do a wedding or do a funeral, and I cannot find my notes I'm looking everywhere, I'm having people stall, and and then I can't stall anymore, and then they call, will you please welcome Matt Ortiz? And I'm standing on the stage, and everybody's looking at me, and I have no notes. And the worst one was I had no notes, and I had no pants. (laughs) Thankfully, that one hasn't happened again. But I was so relieved. I mentioned it in the first service, and while I was preaching, a woman from the first service texted me and said, I had the same dream. I'm in my front yard with no pants, and the school bus is honking at me. (laughs) So I'm not the only one. When you wake up, you're relieved that it's only a dream. When David says he leads me in paths of righteousness, he is also saying that your path leads you to a new morning. When you wake up and everything is as it should be, but more than that, all the bad stuff in your life will seem like a bad dream. God has this this redemptive power to transform them, to make the glory even more glorious because of them. That's your great hope. And God wants you to think about it and to meditate on it and drive that truth down into your soul. We all want confidence, right? God wants you to have confidence even more than you do. And it's confidence that can only be found in Him, our all powerful, sovereign, loving Heavenly Father who promises to be our shepherd. 23rd Psalm says, a great morning is coming. We'll wake up and all of our horrible nightmares will somehow feel like they've become untrue. So that's what it teaches. But the next part of this begs the question, how can I be sure that this is really true? You know what? Maybe you think, you know, this confidence is for spiritual giants like Not for people like me, because I wrestle with doubts. I struggle with sin. It would be great if I could have this kind of confidence, but I can't. I want you to remember something. I want you to remember the man who wrote this. The man who wrote this lied, committed adultery, committed murder. Based on who he is and what he has done, he shouldn't have any confidence at all. But he does? How is that possible? David gives us four critical words at the end of verse 3. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Those four words right there are the most comforting words in the entire song. Because what those four words tell us, what they tell me, what they tell you, is that our shepherd's commitment to us does not depend on us. Your shepherd's commitment to you does not depend on you. He will be committed to you no matter what. It doesn't matter how good of a sheep I am or how much wool I produce or or how many offspring I add to the flock or whatever. Our shepherd is committed to his sheep, not because we're good sheep, but because we're his sheep. Our shepherd's good name hinges on the well-being of his sheep, whether he leads the sheep on the right path or protects them, guides them, and brings them through the valley of the shadow of death and takes them to higher pasture so we can be sure that God will bring us through, not because we are good sheep, but because he is our good shepherd. And there's something else. The shepherd of Psalm 23 has entered human history. Jesus came to us and, and he lived among us and he lived a perfect life. And the gospel says that he lived that perfect life for you. <laughs> and so, that, so what the, when the Lord looks at you, I don't care how messed up your, your, your past is or, or, or what you got yourself, like what trouble you got yourself into, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, matter as far as his relationship with you and his love for you is concerned. Because Jesus lived for you, that means that you are clothed in the righteousness of our perfect heavenly father, in the robes of, of God, the son. Jesus's righteousness clothes you. And so that's what God sees when he looks at you. <laughs> that is amazing grace. forget that. I look in the mirror, I can be disgusted with myself. That's why I'm thanking God for the gospel. Because the gospel reminds me of the reality of Christ's righteousness that was given to me by sheer grace. I want you to be encouraged by that. Because it means that it doesn't depend on you. You're going to fail. You're scared that you're going to fail? Yeah, you are going to fail. It doesn't matter. God won't. And he will carry you through. And then having lived for you, remember what Jesus says in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our our, our shepherd entered Death's Dark Valley for you. And he was nailed on the cross for you. And he died for your sin so that you could be forgiven. And on the third day, he rose to make it through. And when he did, he opened a way through Death's Dark Valley for you. That is your hope. That's what enables you to face our messed up, broken world and the messed up, broken person you see in the mirror. One day, he will return to destroy evil, to destroy suffering, to destroy death, and he will wipe every tear away. He will make all things new. We will sit down at a great feast and we will see him Face to face, we will dwell with him forever and experience life the way it was meant to be experienced. So it all comes down to this as you face your future, as you face the messed up world, as as you face uh, what's messed up in, in your heart, it all comes down to this Is the Lord your shepherd? That's what it comes down to. Is the Lord your shepherd? Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, they follow me. Are you following Jesus? Will you trust him to be your shepherd? If you haven't yet, ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life to be the one who leads you through the valleys. If you've already trusted him as as your shepherd, you got to know that you need to remember, be reminded over and over and over again that the Lord is your shepherd and how good he is. Because let me tell you something. We forget all the time. And then we start acting like orphans with no, no shepherd. God has given us his word. Jesus tells us from Genesis to uh, Revelation it's, it's all about who he is and, and what he's done. We want all of our teaching to be centered on that. And that there are those ahead of us that have come before us who have helped us with, with uh, tools that help remind us, like the Heidelberg Catechism. There's one question and answer that that's, I think is powerful, and I want to end with reading this portion of the Heidelberg Catechism together out loud. You can remain seated. And I will read the question, and then we'll read the answer Together, And it might feel a little long. The answer we read is a few slides long, um, but that's okay, right? So I'll read the question. What is your only comfort in life and death? And we will answer together. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me?